you've done it again. You've found the next episode of How Good It Is, a weekly podcast that takes a closer look at songs from the rock and roll era. And we check out some of the stories behind those songs and the artists who made them famous. My name is Claude Call, and I bring you greetings from the past. I hope podcasts are still a thing now. Hey, don't forget to check out the website, howgooditis.com, where you can find some stuff that I found interesting and some other things that don't necessarily fit well into the podcast. Also, go follow and like the show's Facebook page, which has some other stuff that'll keep you busy. You can find that over at facebook.com slash pod. Why do I ramble on about Podcast Republic being such a good podcatcher? Well, it's because I was using it long before they started listing this show as a featured program. You know, I was using it before this show was a program. You'll find features there that you will not find in other apps, and chances are, if they are there, Podcast Republic usually gets there first. Go find it in the Google Play Store, or you can look for the link on the How Good It Is page. Oh, I got a fun trivia question for you this time around. There is a website out there called deadlists.com that keeps track of Grateful Dead concerts. Not only do they track these shows, they have a set list for every show that the Grateful Dead ever played. According to this website, between 1965 and Jerry Garcia's death in 1995, the one song that the Dead have played in concert more than any other was not written by a member of the band, but rather by Papa John Phillips, which he wrote in 1963 before forming the Mamas and the Papas. What is the name of that song? I'll have the answer for you at the end of the show. Now, most people remember the song Both Sides Now is a big hit for Judy Collins back in 1968. And while she is the first person to record the song, what many people don't realize is that it started with another musician. Joni Mitchell was a young singer-songwriter in 1967, and at that time, she was a star on the rise. At that point, she was mostly known as a songwriter, largely because she hadn't released any records of her own yet. But around that time, she was getting to be fairly well-known, especially among the folk music crowd, uh, because the songs that she was writing, like Chelsea Morning and The Circle Game, were getting played and recorded by other artists, while she herself was making that move from Canada to the United States so that she could play in clubs across the country. And it was in 1967 that uh, Mitchell wrote Both Sides Now, describing it later as a meditation on reality versus fantasy. A few years ago, uh, writer Brad Wheeler noted that it has a feel of deep retrospection, despite the fact that it was written by someone who was only 24 at the time. And while he described it as an instantaneous standard, it was also a deeply personal realization that there was a lot ahead and a lot that would have to be left behind. Joni Mitchell herself told the L.A. Times in 1996 that the song originated when she was on a plane reading Saul Bellow's Henderson the Rain King. Coincidentally, in the book, the character of Henderson was also on a plane flying to Africa. He looks out of the plane and he sees some clouds. She put down the book and looked out the window, and she also saw clouds and she immediately began writing. She said that she had no idea that the song would catch on as powerfully as it did. Now, as I noted before, Mitchell didn't have a recording contract at this point, so let's switch the focus over to Judy Collins. In an interview that she did with Roy Traken at the Grammy Awards website, she was asleep in her apartment in New York City when Al Cooper called her on the phone, telling her they had just met a songwriter in a bar, and she had a song that he thought she could record. Collins says that Cooper put Joni Mitchell on the phone, and she sang it to her over the phone. Based on that, Collins met with Mitchell that night, and that was the genesis of Judy Collins taking on the song.
Phoebe Collins wound up recording both sides now for the Wildflowers album, and it's the only track on the album to have any guitars at all on it. Joshua Rifkin, who arranged and conducted the music, also came up with the idea of using a harpsichord. And while Judy Collins has a credit on the album for keyboards, it's not especially clear to me that she played the harpsichord on this track, since most of the other musicians aren't credited at all. Now, while the album was released in October of 1967, this single wasn't released until a full year later, so 2018 is the 50th anniversary of the song's release. Over the next year or two, it climbed the charts in the U.S. and worldwide, reaching number 8 on the Billboard Hot 100 and number 3 on the Adult Contemporary chart. It went to number 14 in the U.K., uh, number 6 in Canada, and while it was a top 10 hit in New Zealand, it didn't even crack the top 30 across the strait in Australia. And all of this activity was enough to push the album into the top five on Billboard's album charts. Now, as it happens, by most accounts, Joni Mitchell doesn't like Judy Collins' version very much, and when she finally scored a recording contract, she cut the track herself as the title track to the album Clouds. Now, as you can hear, Mitchell has a slightly slower tempo going on, and it sounds perhaps a little bit more introspective on its surface. Over the years, Joni Mitchell has had her share of medical issues, and her voice, like that of so many singers, has changed since they were younger. Uh, most people thought it was a lifetime of smoking cigarettes, and I'm sure that contributed to the change, but Mitchell herself has said that she suffered from vocal nodules and a compressed larynx, and when she was a child, she had polio, which can have effects that last throughout your life, and she says that the lasting effects of polio have also affected her voice. So Joni Mitchell's vocal range has gone through some definite changes, and in the year 2000, she re-recorded the song on an album she called Both Sides Now. Now, incidentally, I haven't addressed this yet, but Mitchell's original title has a comma in it. It's Both Sides, Comma, Now, while Judy Collins' version doesn't have the comma, which is fine, I guess. But the 2000 recording of Both Sides, Comma, Now is on an album titled both sides now without a comma. So Joni Mitchell's Both Sides Now album has a bunch of jazz standards on it and updated versions of uh, some other classic songs. And it's all backed by orchestral arrangements. It's very beautiful and very lush. And frankly, I have to admit, it took a couple of listens for me to really appreciate it. But it genuinely carries off the melancholy feel of somebody looking back on life. As far as covers of the song go, well, there's practically no end to the artists who have covered this song. It is a long and diverse list, ranging from Robert Goulet to the Osmond Brothers, 
to the Swingle Singers, which is what you're listening to now from 2009. Hugh Masekela did an instrumental version of the song in 1970, and I'm pretty sorry that I couldn't find a copy before recording this. But I did manage to find this track from 2015. Casey and the Sunshine Band. So I guess Casey still got it. And I really dig this next one. It's from Sesame Street. I think it's from the mid-1990s. And as far as I understand, it's only got played once on the air. It's titled Three Sides Now, and it's framed as a parody of the song. But other than the title and a little bit of the verse structure, there's really not much resemblance. But you do get to see Harry Monster wearing a vest and a bandana and playing a guitar. Me of a door. I look at shapes that way. That way. But a triangle's a thrill to see. Three lovely sides and corners three that look like poetry to me. I look at three sides now They make me say In the long run, though, I think that Judy Collins' version is pretty definitive and because it deceives you with its overall uh, lighter feel and faster tempo. And here's my reasoning behind that. See, when Both Sides Now was climbing the charts and getting lots of airplay on the radio, I was about five years old. Okay, Now, my parents were both in their early to mid-20s, so they still tended to listen to Top 40 radio, and as a result, I have some fairly clear memories attached to pop songs from the late 1960s. And I remember telling my father that the song made me want to cry a little bit, and he seemed kind of surprised by that, and he asked me why, and I told him, I don't know, she, she just sounds sad. So there you go, Judy Collins managed to reach a five-year-old kid. it's time now to answer that trivia question back on page two i asked about the song that the grateful dead played in concert more than any other in between 1965 and 1995 the song is this one it's called me and my uncle and according to deadlist.com the dead played it in concert 607 times me and my uncle went riding down south colorado west texas bound 
for what it's worth, uh, Sugar Magnolia comes in second with 591 plays. Playing in the band is at 587. The other one is at 585. And China Cat Sunflower rounds out their top five with 546 plays. And for what it's worth, Truckin', which was probably their biggest single before 1987's Touch of Grey, is in eighth place with 519 plays. That is it for this edition of How Good It Is. If you want to get in touch with the show, well, you can email me at howgoodpodcast at gmail.com or you can follow the show on Twitter at How Good It Is Pod. You can also visit, like, and follow the show's Facebook page at facebook.com slash howgooditispod or you can check out the show's website, howgooditis.com, where you might find a few extra bits. Thanks, as usual, to Podcast Republic for featuring the show. And next time around, we're going to find out how good it is to walk on the wild side. It's going to be a fun ride keeping that show family friendly. Thank you so much for listening, and I will see you then. Mm-hmm.